Welcome to the Montana Postcast, your source of progressive political news, commentary, interviews, and more. Covering the politics of the big sky state from Alzada to Yak and all points in between. For more podcasts and articles, visit us at themontanapost.com. Hi, we're here today with Daniel Carlino, candidate for Public Service Commission District 4. Uh, Daniel, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to appear today for the interview. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me on, Don. Um, it's great to be here. I'm a big fan of the Montana Post as well. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, as we've done in the interviews before, we're going to start a little bit with biography and background. And I wonder if you could tell us just a little bit about yourself as a person and why you're interested in this race. Yeah, I am uh, 22 years old and I live here in Missoula, Montana. And I'm a very passionate person about working to stop climate change and try and fix our uh, broken political system to make it work for make it work for everyday people again. And um, after going to school at UM for environmental studies and wildlife biology, it became pretty clear that we're really off track of making any progress on the climate crisis. So I started organizing with a climate student group I started there my freshman year. And then I started the Sunrise Movement uh, Hub here in Montana, and we work on um, trying to change our politics on what's politically acceptable to match up with what science is demanding um, that we do to stop the climate crisis and what justice is demanding that we do to uplift our fellow neighbors and, and really have some better equality in this country. So just being passionate about protecting our, our natural world and really just seeing the injustices in our political system has brought me to want to get involved and organize people and, and make sure that we, we come out the other side better um, after this election. So I'm hoping that um, we can keep pushing, pushing our politicians on, on getting better just policy and working towards passing a Green New Deal is the ultimate goal that we're working for. So I wonder on that point, why the PSC? Um, what made you decide that was the race to enter into? Yeah, absolutely. So Northwestern Energy is um, by far the biggest emitter of greenhouse gases in in Montana. And, um, and energy is the biggest sector of greenhouse gases uh, across the world as well. And the, watching Northwestern Energy's uh, plans to try and just frack for four new natural gas plants in Montana, try and double down on coal. It seems like we need someone on the PSC who's willing to reject these fossil fuel projects and also reject Northwestern Energy's unfair rate increases. Um, they've doubled their profits in the past five years. And with a basic need like energy, uh, I'm tired of seeing people getting taken advantage of by these big for-profit corporations that are making millions and millions off of people's basic needs. So the Public Service Commission is the right race for me to be in because I can be a strong vote against all of these fossil fuel uh, investments. And I can also be a strong vote for everyday people to rein in these monopolies and make sure that people have their basic needs. Because I believe that everyone should have the right to um, basic living needs, including energy and water and things like that. So I suspect you've, you've answered this question a time or two. Uh, when it comes to experience, people would point to your age. 
How would you answer people in terms of your experience and what makes you ready for the job? Yeah. Well, I have my main experience has been studying into climate change, um, studying into how our natural world works and our ecosystems and experience with organizing people and taking on corruption. When we're looking at the PSC, this is the most corrupt political body in Montana right now. Um, they have been subservient to allowing these monopolies, especially Northwestern Energy, to run all over Montanans for their profit um, motives. And my experience with organizing campaigns to take the fossil fuel money out of our politics, organizing campaigns to help uh, push for a Green New Deal and lead town halls to educate our community about what a Green New Deal would look like um, is the kind of experience that I'm bringing to the table. So I think this would be important for getting the public involved while I'm on the PSC, uh, would just be bringing in more public into these decisions by um, being transparent, having these weekly office hours that I'm uh, dedicated to. And most of all, I feel like I'm ready for this job because I'm the only candidate running that has the right vision of what we need to do to stop the climate crisis and the right ideas of what we need to do to make sure that everyone is getting these basic needs. So, um, you know, I, I have a lot of experience with organizing people and with working to take on uh, corrupt politicians and trying to make change that way. And that's the kind of experience that I'd like to bring onto the PSC is to get more of the public involved and um, to make sure that we're holding these monopolies accountable and the other public service commissioners accountable to put Montanans first. And also, um, just I think the main reason that um, <clears throat> the main reason that I'm running for this and that I think my experience is the right experience for this job is because that is because of the knowledge of understanding what we need to do to stop climate change and what we where we need to go in the future to protect our environment and and really stop these unnecessary emissions. So that's that's the main reason um, that I think. That's that's the the main experience that I think stands out is just uh, having this having uh, knowledge in climate change and and where we need to actually go with this. Um, yep. So that's a good transition to policy and th start with maybe a broad question. I wonder how you see like how do we convince people who are in power now that with kind of control mm -hmm. the levers of power that climate change is an existential threat. What can we do to shift the conversation and the public understanding of that issue, particularly here in Montana? Right. Um, first of all, I would say money in politics is the root of all evil here. Um, the fossil fuel industry has been paying off our politicians and, and our news um, for decades and decades to create this public support against the idea that the climate is changing. Um, and politicians are unwilling to act because of typically because of the money that they've taken from the fossil fuel industry. Um, I had personal quick personal story. I remember a few years ago or a couple of years ago, John Tester was doing a town hall here in Montana in Missoula. Um, and I asked him to pull the support from supporting the Keystone XL pipeline and to give up uh, taking the fossil fuel money that he t takes from the fossil fuel industry. And he said that, um, He's basically just said that he needs that money to win, is what he told the audience. If I don't take this fossil fuel money, I won't win. 
And there is a connection between those who take the fossil fuel money, um, take large amounts of money from these fossil fuel industry lobbyists, PACs, or CEOs, and their policy decisions. So I think the biggest way to convince our public and our politicians to act on the climate crisis at the scale that we need is to first remove this money out of politics. Okay. Thank you. Sorry. I had a little pause there. Uh, related to that, I think you've staked out uh, a definitely position to the left of other candidates for the PSC. In particular, you've called for public ownership of utilities in Montana. Yes. What would that look like? Um, so at, if you look at um, some countries over in Europe that do this, they basically, the main reason I'm calling for this is because it would do two things. Um, one, it would not, um, one, people would save money by not having to give that $200 million a year to Northwestern Energy and profits. Um, the profit, uh, the profit margin will not be added on to, um, people's energy bills with public ownership. And the second one is that people don't, Overall, the majority of people don't want um, dirty energy if we have an option. Um, yes, everyone wants heat in their home and everybody needs reliable energy. But with public ownership, um, the public will have more of a say in, in the direction that we head rather than a for-profit company. So I think the public would push for more renewable energy this way. Uh, rather than a company that's only focused on their next quarterly earnings. So public ownership of the utilities, in my mind, would save people money from the profits not going to these big companies. And it would also help transition us to renewable energy faster because we have public um, ownership and public uh, say in these companies rather than uh, for-profit incentives. So in the short term, Another thing you've talked about is protecting ratepayers and increasing our use of clean energy. Northwestern depicts that as a trade-off. The more clean energy they say, the more expensive our rates are. How would you answer their criticism? I would answer that by um, first looking at why they're making so much money off of uh, coal strip and coal power. This is because of the Public Service Commission. That they're, they bought coal strip unit, their share of coal strip unit four that they own right now for $187 million. Yet the um, Public Service Commission evaluated it at over $400 million. So Northwestern Energy is wanting to hold on to that dirty energy as long as they can because they're getting the return on equity for that 400 or so million dollars that the Public Service Commission evaluated their dirty coal energy at. So this, this is all in their, um, profit interest to hold on to that dirty energy, even though it's it, it's not the cheapest um, for coal power uh, compared to either wind or solar. And another thing I would like to bring up, I talked to Carl Borquest, who is from uh, Absaroka Energy, and he is, has this Gordon Butte hydro pump storage project. It's a 400 megawatt project um, for storage. So we could release this water at any moment and make up the base, the base load with a few of these rather than the natural gas plants. And Northwestern Energy is wanting to spend about $2 billion, is what they have in their procurement plan, on these natural gas plants for 800 megawatts. And this one Gordon Butte project from Carl Borquest and Absaroka Energy that they're trying to sell to Northwestern Energy is 
400 megawatts and it's $1 billion. So basically if we're looking at uh, storage and we're looking at other uh, environmental factors and the costs of those as well, um, I, I think that they should buy the Gordon Butte project rather than invest in fracked gas and also look more into other hydro pump storage projects as well. Um, Northwestern Energy has uh, millions of reasons, millions of dollars to not transition this over to renewable energy. They are going to dig as deep into coal and and uh, make sure that they have a public service commission that allows them to keep making these uh, massive profits off of uh, bad decisions by the PSC. So um, Northwestern Energy isn't the one we want to convince necessarily. We want to convince the Public Service Commission and um, to make sure that, that we don't allow Northwestern Energy to do their plans. Um, Northwestern Energy is focused on, on their, on their um, next five years. They're trying to frack four new natural gas plants. And if they get their way, then we're going to have those gas plants for decades. And, and now is really a pivotal time to make sure that doesn't happen. So I think we need to have a good PSC to make sure Northwestern Energy doesn't do this because they have money in mind and and that's not going to change um, as long as we have a for-profit company uh, in charge of our energy. One of the other things that you've mentioned is that if you're elected, you'll vote against all fossil fuel projects. And I think that alludes to the fracking you're talking about and the coal extraction. Do you, do you envision a transition period or, or do you think like from the moment you're elected, that's the position the PSC needs to take. Oh, um, well, as far as closing down uh, natural gas plants that are already in place, um, I don't think that would be able to be done by the PSC. But absolutely, uh, the PSC should have stopped approving fossil fuel projects uh, at least 10 years ago. Um, I mean, the science has been clear for about 40 or 50 years now that we need to drastically lower our greenhouse gas emissions. And the alternatives are on the table. Uh, this Gordon Butte project is getting proposed to Northwestern Energy. Um, the opportunities for for at home uh, with net metering with solar and and even wind opportunities in Montana as well are clearly here and abundant and cheaper than ever before. So absolutely, if, if the Public Service Commission approves one natural gas plant, one more decision to stay into coal power in the future, they're making the wrong decision. So maybe we could probably talk about energy for a long time, but maybe one last question on that point. When it comes to fracking, um, does the PSC have the regulatory authority to stop fracking, as you've suggested, or would that need to be a legislative fix? Um, how do you envision the PSC's role in that process? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, to completely ban fracking for the state, that would have to be a uh, that would have to be a law passed by the legislature. But the Public Service Commission's role in, in fracking is that Northwestern Energy has laid out their plan, and they are they have proposed a new natural gas plant in Montana, a frac a fracking for natural gas plant in Montana uh, every year between 2022 and 2025. So they've got four plants proposed. And these are things that the Public Service Commission will end up voting on um, in, in, in one way or the other. So these are projects that the Public Service Commission needs to be um, very loud and clear against why we should not 
have these gas plants. And that's, that's the Public Service Commission's role in stopping fracking is that we're, the Public Service Commission should not allow these natural gas plants to, um, to be created to, uh, especially in Montana. After talking to Northwestern Energy about, about it, I asked them, where are these natural gas plants going to be? You're proposing four new natural gas plants. Um, that's going to be fracking in our state. Where are these going to be? And they just, Northwestern Energy's representatives just told me, we don't know yet. We haven't decided, but that's definitely the plan. And, um, and I'm just very worried about those being near indigenous uh, water supplies or uh, close to tribal nations through low income areas and just seeing environmental injustice happen over these natural gas plants, along with er everything else horrible that happens with, um, with fracking as well. So really, it's just going to be the PSC's role here is to take a stance against uh, take a stance against these natural gas plants. Absolutely. So, in the PSC, we I think we tend all of us tend to think a lot about energy, but another issue of regulation is telecommunications. Right. You've talked about the internet. I believe you call it a public good, and I think we're seeing the gaps right now as kids are in school remotely and business mm -hmm. is happening remotely. What could the PSC do to ensure better access for rural communities and people who live in poverty? Yeah, when you look at um, decisions regarding telecommunication rates in the past, you see that typically the the telecommunication companies are making, they can maximize their profits easier by um, providing adequate service to urban areas, just because there's a lot more people to provide that service to rather than getting um, connection in all of these rural areas and low-income areas. So whenever telecommunication um, issues come up, I think the PSC's role should be to make sure that we are, are bringing up these issues and, and talking about the rural communities that don't have internet, um, how many households in Montana um, don't have internet at it, and and the PSC's role just needs to be for advocating for these rural areas and these and these low-income areas. Um, telecommunication is certainly a, a lifeline, and there's been many students who haven't um, pe the teachers haven't even seen them since uh, school's gone out for this pandemic. Students are are supposed to be in school right now, but they they shouldn't be because of spreading this disease, but um, spreading uh, the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic, but the reason that a lot of the teachers aren't able to connect to these kids is because they don't have access to the internet at their house. They don't have um, basic uh, communica communications like this. So the PSC's role should be to show how rural areas have been left behind in the past with these decisions and to advocate for the low-income communities to make sure that everyone is able to have communications. Um, this is another. Uh, this is another thing that I believe should be publicly owned and I think will be publicly owned in the future is um, is also telecommunications uh, with at least internet service for all. It's also hard not to talk about the PSC and talk about, I, I believe you called it the most corrupt institution in Montana. I would say it's also perhaps the least competent institution in the state. Right. How, how can someone elected to the body start to fix some of the secrecy, the lack of transparency, the infighting, the spying that's going on. 
what could you do to help make the agency more professional again and serve its actual function? Right. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not sure what it's like talking to these other public service commissioners um, outside of the meetings. I don't think that they have the public's uh, interest in mind with a lot of these decisions. So I think really it's going to take consistent uh, letters to the editor and um, about about what the public serv- other commissioners are doing, what they're saying. It's going to take a lot of uh, public um, basically just getting all this information out into the public is, is my opinion on this. Um, the other commissioners are not putting Montanans first, the major, the vast majority of the time and the infighting, um, uh, you know, I, that's just, that's just a little bit, uh, irrelevant to like, to what the, they should actually be doing. I wish that wasn't going on. I wish they could just make sure that they're doing their best job to, let Montanans have their utilities without getting taken advantage of. But I think it's going to take a lot of um, talking to the public, doing events, uh, getting these letters out to let people know what's going on with the other commissioners, make sure that um, this is all public information and just holding them accountable when they make these wrong decisions. And I'm on the PSC next to them. I want all Montanans to know that way we don't, uh, people can get in tuned into these races to ensure that we have a better public service commission in the future. Um, you, whenever I went to talk to them this last time, I brought up to, it was, we could talk on and on about um, their corruption, but I brought up uh, to Brad Johnson on the PSC uh, at my testimony, just how basically there was three different public utility commissioners or public service commissioners from all across the country. And they all sent in their letter to the, um, Federal Energy Association, and this letter was all forged with the same exact wording from the clean coal, um, uh, some clean coal group, basically. And so Brad Johnson forged the, his exact letter to get to the Federal Energy Association that he took from a, a clean coal association group uh, here in Montana. So basically, they are letting these companies talk, speak for them. They're letting these companies make decisions for them. And that needs to be known uh, and, tra- and transparent to everyone because um, that kind of corruption is just surprising that there's no way to take these people out of power um, for the meantime. So right. it, it's, it's going to take a lot of holding these other commissioners accountable as well as the monopolies. Um, they're, you know, getting two uh, better commissioners on there out of the five or maybe even just one. Um, we're going to really have to put in the work to hold other commissioners accountable and let the public know what's going on and really just try and force them to make the right, make the right decision since they're not going to do it on their own. Right. So transition a bit to um, a few questions about the politics of the race, uh, probably the least interesting part for most politicians to talk about. Uh, I think one thing that you know, a criticism a candidate like you will face is that you are too green or too progressive to win in a general election. How would you respond to people who say that you could win the primary, but then you wouldn't have a chance to be successful in your district in the general? Well, I, after going around and, um, first of all, there is more democratic voters in, in this district than there is, um, then there is Republican voters uh, now in this in this PSC district. So 
we're in pretty good, we're in decently good shape already, but really it's going to take, um, first I would say the a new thing that I'm going to be doing rather than a, a different candidate who would make it into the general election is being able to pull in uh, new voters, not just looking at the van access, but going to the universities, uh, doing events um, there, trying to pull in the youth vote. And I'm also uh, just, I'm also a big canvasser, um, you know, for this, uh, for this election this year, just like in the winter time, I canvassed about 3000 doors myself. And I don't just knock all, knock all the Dems doors. I knock, um, I knock other doors as well, just the ones that aren't Republicans. And basically just trying to get the message out there. I think a lot of people, a lot of youth especially, uh, will they'll vote in the general election, especially for this year, but they they might not vote for PSC. They don't understand what the PSC is. So I think trying to get out the youth vote is going to be one way that helps me. And if you also, if you look at how the kind of campaign I've been able to pull off already without very much uh, money, um, you know, I've gotten over $10,000 in in-kind donations. I have, I, my team is all volunteer-based. So I think building that people power is also how we're going to beat uh, the Republicans. Uh, with the backing of the Democratic Party and the Democratic voters, along with uh, using volunteer power, and um, I think it will be uh, much easier for me to uh, beat the Republicans using people power than just trying to match up against them with the same amount of money. Um, for ads. Yes, like money is very important as well to beat the Republicans, but I think the combination is what's going to is what's going to be necessary because this has been a very tight race in the past uh, few elections. Right. So that that leads to a question, how has COVID-19 affected your ability to campaign? Has that has that made it incredibly more difficult or are you finding new ways to get out to voters? Yeah, you know, it's made it a lot more difficult. I was pretty much going to meetings, uh, group meetings and events literally every day, uh, talking to people that way, handing out uh, cards throughout my day, just, just really getting to talk to thousands and thousands of people. And, um, you know, my main strategy for the last couple months was just going to be a big canvassing, group canvassing push um, to get out the boat. So that's really all out the window now um, for the safety of, of everyone. It just doesn't make any sense to go door to door right now. So that's, so not being able to do events and not being able to go door to door is, is, a, um, it's really tough to campaign right now, especially with a low budget, um, compared to other candidates, you know, other candidates can just throw a lot of money at ads right now and things like that. But, uh, this is terrible for grassroots organizing. Um, in my opinion, uh, it's been really tough. So what I did first, once this hit and I realized I couldn't, uh, canvas anymore is just that uh, I used to, I'm an organizer for Bernie Sanders here in Montana. I organized about 15 events for him in Missoula this past election. And and what we would do a lot of was phone banking for Bernie and we used his uh, Bernie dialer. So I set up a Bernie dialer, um, I use the same program for, for my website. And now I'm able to just have people that want to volunteer and call in from anywhere in the country. Um, and it looks like they're calling from uh, our district and then they get to talk to voters and I'm doing virtual phone banks with these people to try and talk about how our calls are going and just uh, connect with, with all the volunteers this way. But I, I'm not able to do what I planned at all um, because of this pandemic. Sure. Yeah, especially with all the elections offices closed. 
Um, so it's a really tough time to, for grassroots organizing, in my opinion. I think this is going to help uh, big money overall um, with elections. Yeah, that's definitely worrisome for sure. Um, so one question that came up kind of in my research, really, the you and the Sunrise Movement have received a little bit of pushback because uh, I don't know if aggressive or assertive is the adjective you would use to choose your strategy pushing back against traditional Dems, pushing back against Republicans. I wonder how you might answer critics who say that Sunrise is, has maybe unfairly criticized some Democratic politicians or that you have unfairly criticized some Democratic politicians. Yeah. Um, well, at first, I would like to say that, you know, what people that are in public office should be in favor of everyday people. They should not be... Um, subservient to their donors. And the truth is, the Republican and Democratic parties are, um, for the most part, at the federal level, are bought out by special money interests, and therefore don't, don't represent everyday Montanans. Um, you know, most of, um, so basically, if we're not going to hold these politicians accountable, especially the, uh, the Democrats with uh, Sunrise Movement, uh, no one is. Um, they're able to Pass pipelines. They're able to frack for gas in our state. They're able to keep people at a low minimum wage, not give health care for everyone. And the list goes on and on. And if we're not holding them accountable, nobody is from, from the left. Um, they're just going to act like since they're better than the Republicans, then we must vote for them and must support them. But that's we deserve better. We deserve uh, real justice in our country, not um, the lesser of two evils here. So I, I really, I would be happy to go into details if there's like a specific situation, but um, uh, yeah, I, I completely stand by uh, Sunrise's pressure on Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. And I, I just think it's a question that people have, you know, people oh, don't sure. respond well to yeah. uh, people getting in their face. And I, I appreciate, I mean, I, personally, I appreciate seeing more action. So thought I would yeah. ask and see what you had to say about that. Yeah, so, I, I uh, oh, sorry, I was just going to say, I, I really think it's important that um, the public speak their mind to their politicians. And, you know, aggressive wouldn't be the right way to go, but assertive, yes, for sure. And um, it might have come off as aggressive in the past, but assertive is, <laughs> is, an, is a necessity right now. So, right. Yeah, I, I think assertive is a nice way to calibrate our, our response. So as we wrap up, I give you an opportunity to tell people if they want to learn more about your campaign, how they can help out, what's the best way to get in contact with you and work to help you win this election. Right. Well, there's Carlino2020.com is my website. Uh, it's got my email and phone number and things like that. So feel free to reach out. But really, we need we really need as much people power as we can for this last month. Um, I'd be happy to help anybody get started with phone banking, um, but really just talking to everyone you know about this race. This is a very important race that usually gets underlooked. And um, there's just, there can't be any middle ground to working to stop uh, the climate crisis right now. So this is, if you want a real change in our energy and you want to see real progress in, in transitioning off of fossil fuels, this is the time to jump on to a campaign. Um, so I would be happy to, to talk with anybody who wants to reach out and, and see how you could help or just to talk, talk to me about uh, your thoughts. Great. Thanks so much time for your, so much for your time today, Dan. I appreciate it.
Yeah, thanks for having me, Don. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Montana Postcast. For more, please be sure to subscribe on Google, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to visit us at themontanapost.com for more coverage of politics in the Big Sky State.